What is up, you sexy bastards? It's your boy Sunscreen, aka Rabbi Can't Lose, aka Noah Kagan. In today's episode, we're trying something a bit different out. And so Nikki and her team had a different idea that we could do for this episode. Instead of having one guest with a lot of questions, we're going to take three of our most popular guests and give them the same exact question. And so that question is, what would they do with their younger self? And in today's episode, we have amazing guests who are going to be answering that. First off is Bing Gordon. He was one of the early people at Electronic Arts, one of the giant gaming companies. Next up is Paul Orphelia, founder of Kinko's, which sold for over $2.6 billion. And Bob Metcalf, who invented the Ethernet. No big deal. Uh, so we're going to ask them what they would do for their younger selves. These guys are all over 70 years, and they're all multimillionaires or billionaires. So great people to get advice from. If you've ever wanted to learn about what people in their 70s and beyond would tell their younger selves, you're going to love this episode. Here are three gigantic things you're going to take away. One, what Bing Gordon didn't do in his 20s that would have made his life a whole lot easier. Two, the advice Paul Orphelia's mom gave him when he was young. And three, the one skill Bob Metcalf wishes he learned sooner that you can take advantage of because he's given you that wisdom. Enjoy those three things, plus a bunch more ear nuggets along the way. Before we dive into the show, make sure you subscribe to my YouTube channel. Y'all know what to do. That's youtube.com slash okdork. And if this episode inspires you to start your own business, but you just need a little bit of help, check out my course, Monthly 1K. You can go to okdork.com slash monthly1k. Right now, we reopened it, and it's only 10 bucks. Yeah, 10 bucks, no subscription, no upsells, and it'll give you a step-by-step -step exact blueprint to help you get on your way to a $1,000 a month business and some support and community for doing that. That's okdork.com slash monthly1k. Also, special pre-show shout out to listener Jordan S. Carroll. I know this guy. Thank you, Jordan. He said, if you want tacos, Noah delivers. Each week, Noah delivers that fuego to your ear holes. <laughs> Damn, this is cool. Thank you, man. If you're interested in entrepreneurship, self-development, improving your business, witty and humorous intellectualism, or a myriad of otra cosas, NK, aka Rabbi Canlos is your dude. If you hate tacos and success, it's definitely not for you. Damn, Jordan, man. That uh, makes me feel good, man. I appreciate that you take the content, you make your life better, and every other one of you gorgeous listeners that's doing it out there. If you want to shout in a future episode, I love calling your name. So leave a review or send out a tweet. We check every single one of them. First up is Bing Gordon. In his 20s, Bing did a lot of interesting things. He wrote poetry in college. He tried acting for a year and even did commercial fishing. Then he worked at Electronic Arts for over 26 years and contributed to the marketing design of many of the best-selling games such as The Sims and John Madden Football. Today, he is an investor advisor and overall just has a lot of amazing wisdom. Let's find out what advice Bing Gordon has for all the 20-year-olds out there. Was your career, everything you did, was it worth it? Would you change anything? Do you have any specific regrets that you do differently? I had a couple of key decision points. Well, I got out of college and I went and acted in New York for a year. And then I commercial fished and I was kind of living on zero money and I ran into a couple of hockey buddies who were going to business school, so I did that. So I'd say my 20s, it was a struggle. My advice to kids in their 20s now is do interesting stuff. My regret in my 20s is I didn't create enough historical artifacts. You know, write stuff down. Write down your ideas. Write down your plans. That that becomes then data. I even think of make predictions. So, you know buy stock or predict on stock, but write it down. Because we falsely remember the past if you don't write it down. So write it down, and for one thing, you'll see how stupid you used to be. Um, <laughs> and you can, you can also just start measuring it and getting better. What areas are you getting better? So 
I'd say write it down. And then the other regret for me early on is, like many founders, I had a chip on my shoulder and I really didn't like authority figures. I played a bunch of sports and I had shitty coaches. And boy, there's nothing more irritating as an athlete to know you're losing games because of your coach. It's just totally irritating. I was not very good at recruiting mentors. I learned about how to do it later, but it just never occurred to me. And partly because I had a relationship with my father that was not very open and clean. So anyway, I was, you know, I bridled under authority. So I think my advice to people in their 20s is write stuff down, recruit a mentor, and build a peer network. You know, you can do it through Y Combinator, you can do it by moving to a geography, you can do it in a company. But one of your jobs in your 20s is find something like five to 10 people who will share all their learning with you, and including go over to their companies and have lunch. You learn a lot from the physical presence of an office. Hear what they're learning, read their OKRs, their objectives, look at the share annual reviews. You know, everything up to and maybe even including company NDA secrets. And my sense is you pick the right group by the time you're 35, you and they will rule the world. Nobody told me what to do. The only good mentorship that I learned, I learned from peers and I learned from books and I learned from watching. The only great mentorship, I worked in advertising. When I got out of business school, I thought I was going to start a high-tech ad agency. And then four years later, jumped in with EA and helped name the company. And this ad agency, the GM of it named Alan Mooney, who died young in a hospital accident, his advice was how to create strategy docs for creative people, for copywriters. He said, never write down an analytical document. The analytical document puts their creativity to sleep. He said, you can expose them to the raw material. It's kind of what IDEO does as well with extreme customers. He said the best he ever did when he was a count executive on Schweppes, a bitter lemon. He said, I wrote a short story about a British couple living in New York and an afternoon they had kind of having a tea with soft drinks in the dappled fall in the backyard of a New York brownstone. And he said, instead of saying, you know, be British in such such a way, he just gave him the short story. So that struck with me. So I learned really early on with the most creative people. And the year EA went public, the creative peers I worked with had found in an ad agency. EA was their first client. And the same year EA went public, Goodby Silverstein got picked as the advertising agency of the year in the US. So we kind of parallel success. And I learned to um, work with the creative people, figure out what their strategy was, what they were gonna actually build And then after they knew what they were going to build, then I would write the strategy document that the suits thought was the beginning of the process. And for me, it was the end of the process. Great advice from Bing Gordon. Next up, we have Paul Orphelia. Paul founded the legendary printing and copying company Kinko's, which sold to FedEx for $2.6 billion. Paul is an amazing entrepreneur, but he is very humble and doesn't like talking about how much money he's made. Spoiler alert, he is no longer a billionaire because he donated a lot of his money to charitable causes, and I do believe anonymously. Paul has so much great advice that we upload his entire video to my YouTube channel. You can check it out at youtube.com slash okdork, and look for the video I called How I Turned $5,000 into $2.6 I like how I use the word I. I wish I did. 
How many other businesses have you started? Because I think that's one thing that people miss out on. You sold a company for, it did very well. But I don't know if they hear all the other swings. And oh, I had a lot of different businesses. I did coffee shops, espresso cappuccino before Starbucks. And I was going to try to put them co-located with us next to Kinko's. And then we did a 24-hour dry cleaners. Now, wouldn't you go to a dry cleaners where they spoke English and open 24 hours a day? So I wanted to open up these strip centers where you had 24-hour businesses. And then I started, do you know Top Dog? Yeah. What did you notice in Top Dog? Small, grills close. Did you notice how many people were in line? It's always crowded. That might be an indication of success. So I tried to knock off Top Dog here in Santa Barbara. I screwed up because we did it in the middle of Skid Row. I did data mining businesses. I did, I did so many businesses. A lot of them failed. What are some of the other ones that didn't work or did work? Just trying to think of them all. Well, I'm always throwing a loose nickel at something. Most of the time, if it's a good person, you will invest with them. If you had to describe how people should live their lives in decades, how would you think about that? My mother said, honey, in your 20s, try everything. In your 30s, figure out what you do best. In your 40s, make money for what you do best and try not to do too much in your 50s. And then another thing about your life is when you're in your 20s, you really do care what people think about you. You get to be 40, you don't really care what people think about you. Then you get to be 60, you realize no one ever thought of you in the first place. Bob Hope said that. I feel like you would have succeeded no matter what. And I guess it depends on how you define success, too. No, I don't think so. I was lucky. Luck has more to do with life than we might think. Luck has a lot more to do with it. What are some of the luck that you had? Oh, I opened the first location that was a garage, and it happened to be in the main artery of the campus. Now it's luck. The publishers, when I lost the lawsuit with the publishers, they had an injunction that I was able to stay in business. They liked us. One time I was lucky. This sounds really weird, but I was in the top 12-story building, and I was dropping Coke bottles on a Sunday uh, down to see how they crashed. There's nobody was walking in the streets inside. And something held my hand, and right then an old lady walked by. I would have killed her. Something held my hand. You don't call that luck. I think there's a, an interesting balance of life where there is luck of timing and things that happen, but there's also all the, the worry and the wonder and the effort that you did put in. I think the thing that I was trying to encourage other entrepreneurs too is like, I also, I'm trying, I think hearing from you, you tried a lot of things and one worked out exceptionally well. Yeah, right. And, but they don't hear about all these other reps and swings that. They see all these big shots. They think that uh, they built the business. Their customers built your business. How well you can read a customer. And I remember President Obama gave a great speech. It was a bunch of business people. I said, hey, by the way, you think you built this business, Mr. Business Person? Didn't government pay for the education of human beings? Didn't we provide good roads? Didn't we have a way for you to have uh, systems of shipping things? And you think you built that business? Was government a partner for you? It was a great speech. Love that wisdom from Paul. He tells it like it is. Now, next up, we have Bob Metcalf. Bob co-invented Ethernet in 1973 while working at Xerox, but he didn't get rich from doing that. He actually got super rich by starting his own computer networking company called 3Com, where he sold the Ethernet and other related products. After the success of 3Com, which became a multi-billion dollar company, he tried many other careers. He was a journalist, a VC, and a professor. Bob has some great advice. Let's hear it. In your career, do you have any regrets? Would you change anything? Was it worth it? Well, certainly worth it. And if I had a regret, it worked out so well for me. My life is so good. I am reluctant to answer any questions about the past and changing it or regretting it because 
it's just hard to imagine it working out better. But a partial answer to that question is I wish I had learned to have a sell earlier. So I was forced into the job of head of sales and marketing as we were running out of cash in 1982. So we were heading toward Fume. I got replaced as CEO and given the job of head of sales and marketing with zero revenue. And uh, so I grew revenue from zero to a million a month in two years, and then we went public. So that was my contribution. But had I been better at selling before that, life would have been easier. For example, IBM gave me two chances. They paid me two grand each time to come to IBM and convince them to use Ethernet. And uh, I didn't do any research. I didn't unearth their considerations. I didn't know who the decision maker was. I didn't know anything. I just went and gave a speech twice. Once in Franklin Lakes, New Jersey, and once in Research Triangle Park, North Carolina. And I was great. I won the argument. But as you know from selling, you can win the argument but lose the sale. And that's what I did. I didn't ask for the order, for example. I just gave my speech about how cool Ethernet was. And then IBM went off and did a competing technology which it took me a couple of decades to kill, called IBM Token Ring. It's dead now, so. And it was backed by the dominant computer company in the world. And uh, it was the main enemy of Ethernet, and Ethernet eventually triumphed. And so I'm, I'm more obnoxious than I used to be. <laughs> <laughs> For someone starting out in their career, things you wish you'd known, sounds like one of them is selling. Let's, Let's go back to selling. There's many kinds of selling. So there's being VP of sales and marketing and knowing the difference between sales and marketing, for example, is pivotal. And then there's being a sales manager, but then there's being a salesperson. But then there's selling yourself in a job interview. or So selling is a very big word. My regret is I didn't know that earlier. It would have been a simpler life. I think if I had been able to convince IBM to use Ethernet, my life would have been easier. Imagine going to work every day with your wife and your board of directors and your customers all telling you that your invention and your principal product is going to be killed shortly by IBM every day. And then 10 years goes by and the numbers, oh, look at that. We sold a million of them. We made a card in, in 19, September of 82. We shipped a card. The first, you plug it into your IBM PC and it puts yeah. the IBM PC on the internet on the Ethernet and thereby on the Internet. We started selling those cards for about $1,000 each. And uh, I remember we started selling hundreds per month. Whoa, well, take 100, multiply by 1,000. That's pretty good. A couple of years later, we were selling a million a month. That's when the company became a multi-billion dollar company. Was it the chip on your shoulder that you wanted to beat IBM? What kept you going in those months where everyone, like, it sounded like a lot of people were surprised or doubted? That's pretty common, though, among startups. There's always a bunch of doubters. And the competitors are the, are the leading doubters. In Silicon Valley, the competition is fierce. That's one of the nice things about Silicon Valley. So you were constantly competing against a bunch of people. So I taught some sales while being head of sales. We had a competitor briefly called Interlan that made Ethernet cards for PDP-11s and Unix and um, Vaxes. They had a head of sales, Betsy. She taught me to say, I went in to see a customer, and Betsy had left a piece of paper behind, which is a list of questions for them to ask me. <laughs> and I just got buried by her. But anyway, I followed her around for a couple of years and learned everything she knew about selling. She's a very good salesperson. But that trick of leaving questions, 
to go at your major vulnerabilities. Yeah, you should ask them about direct memory access. Yeah, you should ask them about memory transfer and the width of the bus doing that and the data rates. You should ask them about it because she had strengths and we had strengths. And she was picking on your weaknesses. Yeah, she got there first and she left them a list of questions to attack me. And it worked really well for her, but I learned it, how to do that. Is there other recommendations of where to learn sales? It turns out when I worked for Xerox, part of Xerox, it was a big monopoly, very profitable company. It had development for its employees. So I took a course called Xerox Selling Skills. At this course, you can buy it today. It exists today. But there's lots of books about selling. So Xerox Selling Skills. Then I took the course. Xerox had a university, its own university, for training in general. So I took Managing Tasks Through People. And I took Xerox selling skills at Xerox. Not at MIT, not at Harvard, not at Stanford, at Xerox. I do think it's also interesting in your career, you were trained as an engineer, but then you ended up being very successful in a marketing role. Yeah, so I had two undergraduate degrees from MIT. One was electrical engineering, the other one was industrial management. And that was the way it was structured. That was long on entrepreneurship. It was funny, we didn't call it entrepreneurship. There were no entrepreneurship programs then. Yeah. Those have been created since. So I I had some management experience. But the company was an extremist when I got the job, when Bill became CEO and I became head of sales and marketing in uh, 1982. So Bill joined in 81, and then he became CEO in 82, and then we went public in 84. As I mentioned earlier, it was uh, running out of cash. I had overestimated the adoption of Ethernet. And my punishment was I got to not be CEO anymore. And Bill took over as CEO and I became, as a measure of the desperation of the company, I became head of sales and marketing. And I had never done anything like that before. So it was a crash course in learning how to sell. And I immediately uh, recruited six regional sales managers, Northeast, Southeast, North Central, South Central, Northwest, Southwest and international. So Dave Colson got the job of international sales because he had an English accent. And Dave DePew got the job of Northeast regional sales because he was single and he could move that week. All bad decisions with good outcomes because they succeeded, but you shouldn't recruit people like that. (laughs) So after the company went public, how did money improve your life? Well, before we went public, I had a round of finance It's complicated how it happened, but in short, I went to every employee, roughly 35 employees, with a yellow graph pad, and I wrote their name, and I asked them how many shares of the company would they like to buy if they could. Of course, it's very very unusual for employees to buy at that early stage. But all 35 of them went back to their families, and they came back with a number, the number of shares they wanted to buy from me personally. And so I was able to sell $250,000 worth of stock. So every employee had all the stock that they could afford. And by the way, the big buyer was our receptionist. She syndicated. So I had $250,000 and I went and deposited the Bank of America. And then I went to the ATM in Stanford Shopping Center, where I live quite near there. Went to the ATM and withdrew $500 just to see if it would work. You know, like, is the money actually there? That's sort of a comment on how unaccustomed I was to having money. I wanted to prove that I actually had it. And there it was. So we bought a big house. I was married already, but we had children. And I bought a Corvette, a summer house in Maine. We go to Maine every summer now. I have a boat. I've had it for 20 some years. Her name is Enthusiasm. I bought her, which is a great boat. 
What a guy. All you 20-year-olds and beyond out there, whose advice resonated the most with you? That was a wrap. I hope you loved this episode. This is a brand new format. So first off, Nikki P, thank you so much for creating it and experimenting with this. Love to hear what you think of these types of formats. We're open to doing more of them. Tweet, Instagram, TikTok, whatever, at Noah Kagan. Let me know what you think of it. I will share it with Nikki. And big shout out and props to Nikki for taking the initiative to make this happen. Make sure you go subscribe to the newsletter. That's okdork.com. So you cannot miss our exclusive email updates where we don't post it publicly, which is kind of weird. But anyways, that's okdork.com. And check out tidycal.com. It's what we use to schedule our podcast interviews and my customer review interviews over at appsuma.com. It's free online scheduling. And there's some crazy new features. That's tidycal.com. Next, text a friend you love them. Yo, dog, let's go hop on a flight together. Where are we going to go? I don't know. Let's just go. Um, finally, a couple of shout outs to the amazing team members. Thank you to Jason at podcasttech.com for always making these episodes sound so damn great. Thank you to Jeremy, George, Cam, Sasa, especially Nikki on this one, Jen, and the new team members, Tommy and Sylvie from the Dork Team for all the magic y'all do. And finally, a shout out to all the team at AppSumo who helped build AskSumo.ai. It is our ChatGPT software search engine. So Chad, Adnan, Sarah Beth, Austin, Lawrence, Lindsay, Jordan, Chris, Gruyon, Jessica, Max, David, JR, Celeste, and everyone at AppSumo who's been a part of it. Uh, it got highly ranked on Product Hunt. And it seems like it's been a really cool thing for customers to be using. So you can also check it out yourselves at asksumo.ai. Have a productive day. Do, 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 do. What's your favorite seasoning? <laughs> <laughs>